Hello and welcome to Hey What Do I Know, a no-holds-barred video pod from the inquiring, somewhat disturbed, discerning mind of a free speech-loving and best-life-living advocate, me, Arietta Hu. On here, we'll talk about all things society and culture, from music to fashion, social awareness, on-trend news topics, and, you know, my general musings on shit I find interesting. Most of the times, we just be me, because I talk a lot, and other times, I may have guests, this is, of course, topic dependent. But for now, grab a drink, grab a spliff, sit back, relax, and listen to me. Let's go. Welcome to the channel. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, what do I know? And I'm just going to apologize for that Dodd video that I sent out last week. No, I was in no way ready and no excuses, even though I still believe that, you know, perfection is the killer of dreams. I want to apologize because everything was just off and my clothes were off. And thank you to my friend Caroline, who just went, what the beep are you wearing? Didn't even think about that. And uh, the sound was off on the podcast because I was paying more attention to the video. So now, fingers crossed, by God's grace, everything is working. I even set myself up with a little studio, as you can see. Big up to Trues, my fella, who helped me do this today. I appreciate it. And you see all this this flower, like in my face, like we're in the jungle, like we're in the tropics. So get with it. So let's just jump into it. And... um, the last few weeks or the last month, we've been celebrating, you know, 50 years since the Stonewall Uprising. And of course, following on from that, it's been Pride. Last week was London Pride, which was amazing. Uh, I didn't get to attend because I'm in Sweden. However, I looked at it online and watched Pride from all over the world online. Also, big up to the guys who were doing Black Pride because... Um, it was great to see, you know, the black and brown and the ethnic diverse communities just like doing their thing to celebrate pride. And going back to Stonewall, one thing that I'm uh, I don't think people actually know was really how the Stonewall uprising started and that the Stonewall uprising went hand in hand with the birth of the civil rights movement. So in case people don't really know, I think you should uh, do some research. But just a brief history on the Stonewall Uprising. Stonewall, Stonewall was the name of a pub slash bar in America, which uh, drag queens and um, women of the night. And uh, of course, we have this uh, Friends of Judy, as they were known then, frequented. So Friends of Judy was the term used for gay people. It was like code. And um, not Judy, damn, Dorothy. Judy Garland, I'll get into it. Friends of Dorothy was the code used to talk about gay people uh, back in the day. And uh, it started because gay people absolutely love Judy Garland and the character Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. So uh, if you were a friend of Dorothy, that means you were looking for some play. You know what I mean? So uh, the Stonewall Bar pub whatever it is, was the only place that allowed uh, these ladies of the night, drag queens and friends of Dorothy to come hang out. But at the same time, it was owned by the mafia, so the place used to get raided all the time. And uh, on that fateful night of June 26th, 1969, the queens weren't having it. 
Judy Garland had just died, you know, Judy Garland, who they so identified with, gay people identified with Judy Gar uh, Garland, they loved her, they loved that she was, a, you know, she was flawed, she went through so much, you know, mental, physical, drug abuse, that the gay queens just loved her resilience, the fact that she kept coming back and giving more, they loved that. And so that night they were mourning Judy Garland's death and the police decided to raid. Two queens who were out that night who I feel they don't get mentioned enough. I don't hear their names enough. So remember these names, guys. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Riviera. Two friends, uh, as you can hear from uh, Riviera, it's, a, it's an ethnic name. So she's Spanish or Mexican-American. Spanish-American, I should say, because I can't. I don't really know what country she comes from. And of course, Marsha P. Johnson, who is black, they had had enough and were not going to go easy with the police that day. They fought back for the first time. They fought back. And then, of course, every other person in the bar got like involved. And that was the beginning of, you know, the resilience and the resistance the resistance to being bullied and to being, you know, arrested and shaken down just because you were gay. So this happened on 26th of June, 1969. Fast forward um, 50 years, as it was 50 years since Stonewall, I feel like gay pride has just been taken over by the corporate world. I mean, how many companies do you know? Or can you? I can think of so many companies that change their logo to the gay pride colors. While this is good that they're supporting the movement, I feel like they've just hijacked the whole thing and the essence of pride has been lost. Now I'm straight, so you're wondering why I'm so interested in stuff like pride. Uh it's because I am. I've always been interested, as you can see, in wearing my one of my legends, RuPaul, on the chest today. And uh, I think like people like uh RuPaul are one of the reasons why today you can turn the TV on and feel comfortable uh watching drag race. It's no big deal. But going back to um Stonewall and the big companies, uh, corporate companies, everyone's just changed their logo, but there's a lot more that needs to be invested into helping the LGBTQ and I's, especially in uh, most of these companies are international companies, but they seem to turn a blind eye when, you know, the rights of um, gay people or the LGBTQI in countries. So say, for example, these companies working in Africa and South America, where, you know, the death penalty is still in place for um, being homosexual or prison, you get arrested and it's still a crime. It's actually quite funny because most of these countries were colonized by the English and by, you know, America and um, the English and the Spanish, I should say. And uh, what in turn has happened is that most of these countries, sort of, for example, in Africa, they still use the old English legal system where it was a crime to be gay. It's actually a bit disappointing that in 2019 that most of the countries in Africa haven't got their own constitution. They're still using policies, sorry, laws that were put in place by the colonial masters, which doesn't make sense to me. So what I was saying about Pride, it's all well and good that these companies are changing their logo, but I feel like they would need to do something in terms of their policies in the countries where it's not free for you to be LGBTQ, where it's still a crime for you to be a member of that community. I think that you need to put policies in place to make sure that you are celebrating Pride, Pride all over the world, not just in the Western world. And just going back or speaking about Pride and, you know, the Western world, 
It's also that these companies are, turn a blind eye to gross uh, misuse or uh, gross abuse, I should say, of human rights. So say, for example, um, across Africa, you can get reported just because someone thinks you're gay. And the first thing they will do is maybe want to put you in prison. This is in Nigeria anyway, because Africa is a big place, 55 countries, as you can see, I've got the tattoo on my arm. It's a big place. So let me be specific. You can be arrested just because someone reported you for being gay. Can you just imagine being arrested? So I think if companies want to celebrate pride and uh, change their logo, they need to make sure that there are policies in place to make sure that they are servicing the community worldwide, not just in the West where there are eyes on them and people can see. And also, I'm really pleased that, you know, Black Pride has started in the UK. Um, I think there was a need for, you know, people of color to have their own pride. However, I would like to... I hope that in future these two can kind of merge because I want one big celebration and not like a, a little afterthought and uh, afterthought for um, ethnic minorities to have a little pride celebration somewhere. Nonetheless, it is great to see you know the whole community just coming out, turning up and turning out. One thing I will ask though is, I don't know about you, but I don't notice like normal gay people, you know, on the pride floats, and by that I mean just normal people, you know, a bit of flab. You know, a bit of, you know, just normal looking people. Everyone seems to be like on the six pack, six to eight pack is the prerequisite for being on a float. It's like, come on, we need to see more real life people on these floats and doing things. But that's just my own um, kind of point of view because I've been looking out for that stuff. But never mind. So moving on from talking about gay pride and, you know, freedom of uh, sexual orientation and sexual aware, um, freedom in countries. I want to talk about uh, something that's really, it really hit my heart hard. And it's because this is something that seems to be indebted or imbe embedded, I should say, <laughs> indebted. I can barely speak, guys, but, you know, this is, I'm one take, Ari. We're just going to keep flowing. Embedded into the lifestyle and, um, as because most of the societies in Africa are patriarchal. And that's why it seems to me that um, a lot of sexual abuse just goes unaccounted for. In the last few weeks, there has been rumblings in Nigeria anyway. Rumblings and uh, we turned into a social media campaign. And I'll just give you a backstory. One of the uh, biggest pastors, you know, celebrity pastors... I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but these days, pastors, they be celebrities. You know, everyone's a celebrity, even priests and pastors, you know. Mostly pastors, because the Catholic Church, you guys need to kind of like sp spice up your life and get some celebrity pastors. Only the Pope is celebrity when it comes to Catholic Church. But going back, um, one of the pastors of one of these um, big churches in Nigeria called Koza, I don't know what it means, C-O-Z-A, he was accused of raping a lady called Busola Dakolo when she was younger. Now, Busola Dakolo is married to one of the biggest entertainers in Africa, so she didn't actually have to come forward and tell this story because this allegedly happened to her. In fact, I'm not even going to use the word allegedly because I, I believe it's true. This happened to her uh, when she was younger and she was still a member of that church. She got raped twice by the pastor. And as such, you know... We had, there was lots of abuse coming her way from men and women who were blindsided by the fact that this guy is a pastor and a man of God. And, you know, that she just received so much hate 
and so much abuse. And then this started making me think about the fact that, you know, in patriarchal societies where the law is made to favor a guy, this seems to be happening a lot. However, due to a really strong group of women who launched a campaign online, enough is enough. Africa too on their own version of Me Too. And we're starting with the church. We are starting with the church because that's where we spend most of our time in Africa. And as such, a lot of things that have been covered up are now finally coming to the light. So, this is close to my heart because I was abused as a child. And I was a bit scared to come forward and say anything. Because in Africa, you don't say anything. We live in a society whereby if something happens to you, you better not say because they may blame you. I mean, come on. I've read reports about a four-year-old who got raped. And the first question people will ask was, how was she sitting or what was she wearing? I mean, how is this her fault? And this goes back to a podcast I made a few weeks ago, which was about exposing the pedo and the perv in your families and around you. And um, this happened and uh, to me when I was younger. And it's something I kind of put at the back of my mind. And I believe that when this happens to you as a young child, you either go one way or the other. You either become like very promiscuous or you just become a tomboy, which is kind of what I ended up being. Even though I'm a woman, I still sag my pants because to me, these, you know, baggy clothes is my armor. But, you know, never mind that. But just moving on, I felt that I couldn't say anything to anybody because I felt that they would turn around and blame me. Like, it was my fault that one got uh, molested. And this is the case of what's happened to many people uh, back home in Africa. I mean, the reports of a girl in South Africa who uh, reported about being raped. And instead of the school, the university, instead of them to kick out the people that raped her, they kicked her out of school because they'd rather not have their university name tarnished or tainted. And I think that until the laws across Africa had changed from being less uh, to uh, a change from being so favorable to the patriarchy, i.e. men, a lot of people are going to keep on brushing this sort of stuff under the carpet, but we say no more with the emergence of social media and the fact that we can get news out there just like that. We are saying no more. And I'm telling you, there'll be so we as right now, we cannot account. There are no statistics or figures to account for how many rapes happen across Africa because no one records that shit. But most importantly, most people don't report it. I can tell you now that going forward, you know, because of the internet and, you know, especially social media, it's going to be less and less of this stuff hidden. People are going to come forward and tell their story. So I hope that um, now that Busola Dakolo has come out and exposed this pastor, we as um, women, especially African women, it's a duty of yours to make sure that you keep exposing all these men. And also, if you're a guy and this has happened to you, because I know a lot, I have a lot of guy friends who got like, you know, sexually assaulted by their housemates or their aunties when they were younger, come out and say it. Because at the end of the day, the more we can get this topic into the mainstream, it's talked about, it loses its stigma and there will no longer be taboo. Because again, like I said, it seems like talking about all this stuff is taboo in the African household. So we must, you know, stand up for our rights as women and know that. Africa was a matriarchal society first before the colonial masters came and turned shit around. That means the African women run the world. People are going to argue with me and say it's not true. You're entitled to your opinion and so am I. As far as I'm concerned, 
the African woman is a goddess. Not God, but a goddess. And by that I mean she should be revered and respected as such. It's time for us to reclaim our identity, guys, and not be shy about what we want and go after it the only way we can do it, okay? Moving on uh, from uh, sexual violence and all of this kind of like really sad stuff, I'm still going to talk about women celebrate women. I want to talk about the fact that the USA women, uh, the USA women's soccer team won the World Cup for the fourth time, the fourth time, second time in a row, but four times they've won it. And I want to say well done to those ladies. Um, don't know if you caught any of the football because... I didn't. I watched two. No, I watched two matches and um, didn't watch any of the USA matches. But uh, I watched the Denmark and Sweden match, and I watched the Sweden and England match. Now, bravo to the English team. You guys did, meh, did okay. And yes, I don't play football. And you're gonna say, how can you just meh their performance? Well, it's because I just feel like England, man. We always struggle when it comes to football. The women are shit at penalties just like the guys are. I would say the women's team had a better defensive team than we've seen from the men in the last few years. However, I just think, you know what, England, let's just stop, you know, preparing for the World Cup. We should just, uh, I mean, prepare it in general. Just learn how to do, like, penalty kicks and save penalty kicks. And, like, also as well, like, passing the ball, just practice those skills. You don't have to do like a whole football match to train. Just practice those little skills. And I'm sure that will help you guys going forward because the people you guys were playing with are world-class. Now, not to say that the lionesses aren't world-class because they are. It's just, I was just seeing so much excellence from teams like the Netherlands and Sweden. Oh my God, the Swedish team, those girls, Everyone was blonde, by the way. I, I like, there was only one or two people with dark hair. I couldn't tell who was who. And the only names I can remember are the names of the defenders who have short hair. Um, and one of them is um, Hutge. Probably have said that wrong, but I just thought, yeah, Hut, Hutge. She's really, really strong and she was a really great defender. And I thought, good on you, girl. Make yourself look different. In this sea of blonde, at least we can tell who you are because you had short hair. Swedish team were good, but um, back to the winners, the American team. Now, for these ladies, I didn't even realize that the whole World Cup like uh, experience was actually marred from the beginning. Like in the beginning, they were actually suing the U.S. Soccer uh, Association, U.S. Soccer Association, USA. <laughs> They're suing them for unfair, unfair and unequal wages. That means that some people were getting paid more, some people were getting paid less, but also. None of them were getting paid the same amount of money they were paying to their male counterparts. Now, the U.S. male football team, they don't come up on any radar. No radar whatsoever. But these women who are four-time champions, they're getting paid less. Not only just that, um, their defender uh, and, the, the, you know, the, the, the loudspeaker from the team. I'm going to have to get my notes and tell you what her name is because I can't remember her name. Um, yeah. Megan, her name is Megan Rapioni, the loudspeaker from the team, the, the self-appointed mouth of the team. She got into a spat with Donald Trump by saying that even if she was invited to the White House, she won't come. I don't blame her. From looking at her, I'm thinking, yeah, she probably might be, you know, could detect a hint of lavender off her, maybe probably gay. And she doesn't agree with what, you know, the president is doing in terms of gay rights in America. So good on her. But also, she probably doesn't agree with the president's politics. 
However, you know, I would say as much as America played a good game, I'm not sure why everybody else seems to be concerned about how they were celebrating, like saying it was on sportsman like and on sportswoman like, if you will. I'm like, come on, guys, it's America. They're pompous as shit. Americans are so fucking pompous. You know, if you're not first, you're last type thing. And there's no coming second. You're second, you're first from behind. So the Americans go hard or go home. And that's the whole way they kind of like train for their sport. I, I did wish somebody would kind of, you know, mock the, knock the smirks off their faces. But unfortunately, they were the better team that day. I don't think they're better than Denmark, uh, who they played the final. Sorry, Netherlands, who they played the final with. But on that day, you know, they kind of dominated and they won. So big up that women's uh, USA women's soccer team. But before I go, I wanted to read out some names because just how you guys were talking about Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldinho. I don't even know if he still plays football. But, you know, uh, Ozil, all those names from the World Cup. I want us to remember some women's names. So listen to this, guys. I'm going to say these names out loud. And we need to start remembering them going forward. So there's Wendy Renard from France. Lina Hortig from Sweden. That's the girl I was talking about. Nilla Fischer from Sweden again. Both of them had short hair in the lineup. Everyone's blonde. These two had short hair. Nika Paris from Nikita Paris from England. Big up girl. I saw you. Jill Scott from England. Now, the only reason why I remember this name is because of, you know, Jill Scott, the singer. I reckon. Demi Stokes from England did well. Sheridan Spitzig from Netherlands. Lisa Kopp from Netherlands. Crystal Dunn from the USA, and of course, Megan Rapioni, the uh, American <laughs> motor mouth, and the one who did the most, basically. She was the one who did the most. And um, I kind of like her. So let's remember all those girls' names, those women's names, so that when we're talking about male footballers, we can also talk about these women too. That would be good. That would be good, wouldn't it? If we could talk about the male footballers, the same women footballers, the same way we talk about male footballers, that would be something. That would be absolutely something. And now it's time uh, for the GOAT of the episode, the greatest of all time of the episode. And this person is a icon of mine, personal icon of mine, in keeping with all things LGBT and in line with all things pride, ladies and gentlemen, it is RuPaul Charles. When I first laid eyes on RuPaul, I think it was on the Geraldo show, about um, a segment about the New York club kids, either Geraldo, yeah, it was Geraldo, uh, or Jenny Jones, I'm taking you guys back with that one. And when I first laid, laid eyes on her, no one could tell me that she wasn't born a woman. And she's the most successful drag queen, actor, model, singer, TV personality ever. I mean, talk about multitasking. There are only 24 hours in a day and RuPaul somehow manages to do all these things and look fabulous doing them. Viva Glam and of course the RuPaul show were also touch points of reference for me, for Ru. And I just loved all the slogans she came up with. She comes up with stuff like, you know, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? And I just think that's so strong and so poignant. And um, what Rue does to empower queer kids and, you know, just kids in general is very noteworthy. And by creating the exposure for the LGBT culture into mainstream society with drag race is teaching kids to be tolerant, something we could have done with in the 80s and in the 90s. So long may she reign. I love you, RuPaul. Long may she reign. 
So the quote of the episode uh, is actually a poem slash song by a guy called Jerry Herman. And it's dedicated to my friend Richard Ackerson, who came out this weekend in an article he wrote for the New York Times. And he's the founder of nastyboy.com, which is an online platform celebrating LGBTQ and the queer across Africa. So here the poem goes. I am what I am, and what I am needs no excuses. I deal my own deck, sometimes aces, sometimes deuces. It's one life, so it's time to open up your closet. Life's not what a damn until you can shout, I am what I am. How poignant is that? This podcast was brought to you by me, researched by me, edited by me, put together by me. Everything me, 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 sponsored by me. It's a me, 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 me enterprise. Thank you for listening. These are my thoughts. These are my musing. When you think about it, what the hell do I know? This much I fucking do.